0: Our gospel for today comes from John the 8th chapter. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. To start off this morning, I'd like to do something that we haven't done for a while, and that is I'd like you to turn to someone next to you, preferably someone who's not in your immediate family or maybe who you don't know very well. And I'd like you to, first of all, introduce yourself if you don't know each other, And second, talk about what comes to mind when you think about the Reformation. And if your answer is, I don't know anything about the Reformation, that is totally fine, don't worry about it. So go ahead, just around where you are, you don't have to stand up and move around, but find someone next to you and have a little conversation. So thank you for taking the time to do that. Okay, the Reformation. When Lutherans think about the Reformation, some of the things that generally come to mind are Martin Luther, the 95 Theses being nailed to the church door, maybe the abuse of wealth and the power of the church at the time, including the sale of indulgences, which I'll tell you what those are in a little bit if you don't know that word. Maybe it was the Bible being translated into German, the language of the common people. Maybe it was the idea of being saved by grace and not works, not the things that we do. Or maybe it was the story of Katie Luther escaping with a bunch of other nuns in fish barrels. If you haven't heard that story, it's a really good one, by the way. Ask one of us about it later if you're like, what on earth was she talking about? I'm sure there are lots of other things that came up in your conversations as well. But I bet no one thought of the band Nirvana. Am I correct in saying this? Did anybody talk about Nirvana this morning? Okay, good. This past Monday, my husband and I uh, had a rare day off together without the kids. So we decided to visit MOPOP, the Museum of Pop Culture in downtown Seattle. And there were a lot of really fascinating exhibits and history and culture. So I highly recommend that you go and check it out when you have time. And of course, one of the exhibits was about the band Nirvana. Now I'm not a huge Nirvana fan myself, I have to say. I like a couple of their songs, uh, but I'm not a fan of punk rock in general. So I didn't know anything about the history of how the band came to be. Turns out it was a band that originated in the 90s. I actually did know that part. But they started in Aberdeen, Washington of all places. They were part of this underground music scene in Seattle, which at the time was still small in the music world. And it was out of this backwater music scene, as one person called it, that Nirvana made the big time. And the band is now known along with four, as one of four bands, excuse me, that created grunge and punk music, putting Seattle on the musical map, so to speak. Now as Jeremy and I were walking around this exhibit and learning, there was a video that was playing in the background. And there were interviews of people who had known the band or worked closely with the band. And three things from these interviews really stood out to me. First, there were a lot of bands at the time that were already starting to experiment with grunge and punk music, but Nirvana made it big because they were in the right place at the right time with the right resources. Second, their message reached a crowd of disaffected youth, youth who felt ignored or unheard youth who were struggling in school or life, youth who were unhappy or discontented with authority figures that told them to just be quiet and do what you're told. Nirvana understood and spoke their language. The members of the band were one of them, so to speak. And third, Nirvana's main message was be true to yourself. No one should have to betray themselves and who they are to fit into a culture or a society. Come As You Are is a title of one of their most popular songs. They were proud and unapologetic for who they were. For Gen X youth and young people, Nirvana's music was a message of freedom. Nirvana essentially brought on a musical reformation. Now, if you think about Martin Luther, and the Reformation of the Church in the early 16th century, these three things are also evident. First, Martin Luther was not the first reformer who struggled with what the Church was doing and protested and spoke out about it. There was Arnold of Bresica, Peter Waldo, John Wycliffe, Jan Hus, Girolamo Savarola, and more all of whom helped to pave the way for Luther's message. So why are we Lutherans instead of Hussites or Waldensians? Doesn't really roll off the tongue very well, does it? Why did Luther succeed where others didn't? The biggest difference can be summed up in two words, printing press. The invention of the printing press made it possible for Martin Luther's thoughts and ideas to spread farther and more quickly. Essentially, Luther was in the right place at the right time with the right resources. Second, Luther's message also spoke to a crowd of people who were disaffected as well as people who were oppressed. You see, Luther himself was actually born to a peasant family. The only difference is that his father got lucky in his mining pursuits, and so they were able to get out of poverty and provide Martin with a better education than most others received at the time. But still, Luther was considered one of them, one of the peasants. And so this combined with the struggle of so many peasants, peasants who had experienced really bad crops for a few years, had their land slowly stripped away from them and taxes increased exponentially by the authorities at the time. Those who saw privilege of priests who seemed to not care about the plight of the people. All of this meant that the people were ready to hear the message that Luther spoke. And third, that message that Luther spoke was a message of equality and freedom from the tyranny of the church at the time, which had become corrupt. For example, those indulgences that I mentioned earlier, those were little pieces of paper that helped to buy passage for you or a loved one who had died into heaven out of purgatory, which sort of was like this holding place for souls until they were good enough or had paid enough penance to get finally into heaven. And so not only was this wrong in the- theologically, right, it, con- it contradicts scripture in that no one should be able or need to buy their way or their ancestors' way into heaven, but they were also really expensive. So only the wealthy could truly afford to buy themselves or other people out of purgatory and into heaven. And of course, all the money at the time went to line the pockets of the most wealthy and powerful in the church at the time. So Martin Luther's message that said peasants should have the same opportunities to receive the freedom, forgiveness, and grace, and love of God was a message that they were thirsty for and hungry for. And in fact, many people across social classes also agreed with Luther's theology that all people should have full access to God simply through faith. Everyone should have the freedom to worship God as they were, from wherever they were. And this freedom that we receive through the grace of God to be who we are, unashamed, and loved without condition is one that we still proudly hold and proclaim as an ELCA church today. Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, for those of you who may not know what that acronym means. Our scriptures for today proclaim this as well. Jeremiah reminds us of our ancestors who have gone before us, who faced many struggles just as we do today, but who never gave up their hope in God because God was always with them through the old covenant. And now God is still with us today, but in a new way. Through Jesus Christ, we believe God has established a new covenant with us one that gets rid of the need to constantly have to make sacrifices and to try to make up for the things that we do wrong. And instead is a covenant where God's law and God's very self is within every human being, written upon our hearts. A covenant based on grace where God promises to forgive our iniquity and remember our sin no more. Our psalm, which was beautifully sung for us, by the way, thank you very much, reminds us that we have a God who is always with us, our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The Lord of hosts is with us, and the God of Jacob is our stronghold. Paul's letter to the Romans, which was Martin Luther's favorite book of the Bible, by the way, reminds us of God's free gift of grace, a gift that can never be earned nor taken away, ever. And finally, in the Gospel of John, we are reminded of our freedom in Christ through the gift of God's grace once again, which is a gift that can never be earned. And being freed by God's grace and not works is that truth that sets us free. Today, there are many who would say that the church is overdue for another reformation one that addresses the larger Christian church's issues of racism, sexism, judgment, environmental injustice, and other social injustices that the church, the Christian church, has played a part in over the last 500 plus years. And I would agree that the church needs a reformation. And yes, I even include our beloved ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, as would many other pastors and bishops, in our denomination. If the ELCA didn't need a reformation, then we would not be the widest church in America, and we would not be slowly shrinking in our country as along with the rest of other Protestant churches. Now to be sure, we have made great strides in this area, but we aren't there yet. More reform needs to happen. So how do we do that? What might that look like? What might make our message of the love and grace of God for all people, our true and deep desire for justice for all people, be better heard? Well, perhaps we can look at the success of others, such as Martin Luther or even Nirvana, for ideas. I wholeheartedly and passionately believe that we, the people of Holy Spirit Lutheran Church in Kirkland, Washington, are in the right place at the right time to make a difference in our community and our world. And we do have many resources available to us to make that happen. So how can we reach out to those who are disaffected? Those who are oppressed or feel oppressed? Who and or what is missing in our community? Which voices are not being heard? How do we already share the wonderful message of spiritual freedom in Christ that we know and experience here at Holy Spirit? And how might we think differently or unsp- expand on what we do to broaden that message? A little over a month ago or so, we had a ministry fair that included a wonder wall, where many of you wrote down ideas on exactly how to do this. And we've been looking at those ideas and working on them and thinking about the best ways in which we can make those ideas happen if we can. So if you have thoughts or ideas of how to further this mission and message of love, grace, and justice to our community, I want to hear about it. And yes, the next question out of my mouth might be, and how can you help me do this? So keep that in mind, right? But I can't do it myself. That's why we have community. But I want to hear from you. I want to hear from all of you, from the youngest to the oldest. What could the church do to be a better vehicle for grace and love in this community? I'm telling you, I feel a Holy Spirit reformation coming on. Will you join me? Amen.